Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. Got your Bible, let's hold them to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what the word says I have. I am what the word says I am. I can do what the word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word and change me from glory to glory. I boldly say I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. During our Sunday morning services, we're talking about our confession of faith. This is lesson three. And if you weren't here for the first couple of lessons, just real quickly, we're talking about confessing our faith and speaking God's word over life circumstances. And we talked about how Jesus is the high priest of our confession. And that the great confession is, Jesus said, if a man confess me before men, I'll confess him before my Father in heaven. And then also we talked about how confession is connected with salvation. What the heart man believes, what the mouth he confesses unto salvation. Confession is also connected with forgiveness. You confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. And then we said there's the confession unto praise. And in the book of Hebrews 13, 15, we offer the sacrifice of our lips confessing to his name. But then there's also what is called the confession unto faith. It brings faith into your life. Through meditation, musing over the word, speaking the word in a thoughtful manner over your life. But then there's that bold confession of faith where you curse that maybe disease or you rebuke that devil, demon, or that work of darkness. You release your faith, faith-filled words. Jesus said, speak to your mountain. You know, he didn't say, put up with your mountain. And he didn't say, listen, he also didn't even say, talk about your mountain. He said what? Speak to your mountain and command it to be removed. If it's a tree, which is a root of bitterness, he said, get it out, speak to it, it'll obey you. Get it out of your heart. Bitterness, leave my life. That's your confession of faith. But then we also stated the fact that your confession of faith must be based on something God said. If God didn't say it, then we don't have a right to say it. But if God said it in His Word or by His Spirit, you have a right to say it. So, if you hold fast your confession of faith without wavering, He said, you're going to get what you say. If you believe in your heart that what you say with your mouth will come to pass, Jesus said you'll have what you say. That's Mark 11:23. As we continue our study, we're talking about our confession of faith. We must believe in our words. We must believe in our words. Listen to Jesus again. If you believe in your heart that what you say with your mouth will come to pass, you will have whatsoever you say. So that means you've got to believe, I've got to believe in my words. 
in your words. In James chapter 3 and verse 6, James being the half-brother of our Lord, you know, James didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah until after the resurrection. He lived with him, but he didn't believe him. Think about that. You think you have a problem with your siblings. How would you like one that says, I'm the Son of God? How would you like that? Who do you think you are? I'm the Son of God. Or really? Now, Mom might think so. <clears throat> mm hmm. Some say that, you know, Jesus was like an Italian. <laughs> yeah. He lived with his mom till he was 30. <clears throat> he hung around with the same 12 guys. And his mother thought he was God. <laughs> like any good Italian mom and son, right? <laughs> oh, praise God. Uh, notice, so is the, a tongue is a fire, a word of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. Uh, and it is set on fire of hell. But um, another more literal Greek translation says that it sets in motion the cycle of natural events that can lead to life or death. The tongue can set in motion the cycle of natural events that can lead to life or death. That's the power of the tongue. And James talking about this power of the tongue, notice he starts in verse 1 talking about the teacher. The teacher. My brethren, be not many masters or teachers knowing that we all shall receive the greater condemnation. When he's talking about the tongue and he's talking about words, he starts with the teacher and he says, look, you want to teach the word of God? Wonderful. You want to pastor a church? Wonderful. But you have to know that your judgment is going to be more strict than others. Why? Because what you teach can take people down the right path or lead people down the wrong path. And so be mindful of that. Because you're going to influence people. In one way or another. So if all you're going to teach is religious tradition. And the doctrines of men. You're going to be in trouble. Teach the truth. Speak the truth in love. Look at Joshua chapter 14. And I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. <clears throat> this is. Uh, Caleb speaking. He's talking about the ten spies that went out to spy out the land and also he went out with Caleb, uh, with Joshua, Caleb and Joshua. Forty years was I when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Notice, he brought back word that was in his heart and what did he inspire them in? Faith and love. Nevertheless, my brethren, the other leaders of the tribes that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. In other words, he inspired them or influenced them to have fear and unbelief. That's what they did. So you can either speak words that will produce faith and love in people's hearts and lives, or you can speak words that will take them down the path of unbelief and fear. 
And you know what? It's not right to mislead the people of God. Can I meddle just a little bit? Can I meddle a lot? I was watching the recent telethon. And please, please. This really is one of my pet peeves. And I heard these ministers. Because they, you see, they want to influence the people of God to give. Okay? Okay. But let me show you how misleading it could be. This is the year of Jubilee. This is your window of opportunity that will not take place for another 50 years. If you give during this window of opportunity, you are going to be so blessed. Ready for this one? How about this one? This is the year of Jubilee. And if you give within these rest of the months of Jubilee, by the end of it, your cancer will be gone. I sat there and looked and said, oh, really? Is that how it works? And let me give you the truth. Don't mislead people. There is no more year of Jubilee. Jubilee is not a year. Jubilee is a person. Jubilee is Jesus Christ. I don't have to wait 50 years to get my miracle. The window of opportunity was open when the veil was ripped in twain. You can step in it every single day of your life. You know what? I would admire them a whole lot more if they would just say, this is a great work. We want you to support it. Send in your donations. We're doing a great work for God. We're taking the gospel in Israel. We're preaching and teaching to the lost that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gift. Okay. But to use tactics that I call merchandising the anointing, to motivate and manipulate people to give, with these statements that are really not true, mm, that's misleading. If you're a teacher, teach the word. Teach the truth. Now what I mean by there's no more year of Jubilee, maybe for the Jews. Last I checked, I'm a Christian. And last I heard, my Bible says, preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Guess what year that is? Today. Tomorrow. Every single day is the year of Jubilee. Every single day. You're living in it. Christ is your Jubilee. So guess what? You don't have to wait 50 years for your miracle. You can have a better miracle today and every day of your life. No matter what it is. You don't have to wait 50 years. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Okay, so we go from the t-shirt, ready for this one, to the horse. The horse. Now we got the horse. James talks about the horse. James chapter 3 verse 2. Look what he says. For in many things we offend all. Not us. If any man offend not in word. The same as a perfect man. And able also to bridle the whole body. Behold we put bits in the horse's mouths. That they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. How much would you say a horse weighs? 
thousand pounds, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. If you check it out after Christmas time, they're about a thousand twenty. They gained about twenty pounds over the, ho over the Christmas holiday. But can you imagine trying to literally pick up a horse and turn it the way you want it to go? You can't do it. But there's a bridle and there's a bit. You get on top of that horse and all you have to do is use that small little thing called the bit and pull on it the way you want that horse to go. What's he saying? He's saying just as the bit controls the direction of the life of the horse, even so the tongue will control the direction of a person's life. And if we learn to put a bit in our mouth, sometimes I like to use duct tape until you learn and start speaking right things that's why the scripture says in Proverbs God will be glad when we speak right things why because if you keep on speaking that you're a victim you'll be a victim if you keep on saying life is unfair life will be unfair to you in other words the direction of your life will go with your words and what you're experiencing today really is what you were saying yesterday that's just how it works. So if you say you can't, you won't be able to do it. I'll never get through it. Stop talking like that. I'm never going to amount to anything. Stop talking like that. Why? You're setting in motion a cycle of events, natural events, that will lead to life or death. So why not start saying, I believe I can do all things through Christ. I am who God says I am. See, that leads to life. So we got now the teacher, and now we got the horse, and then what's next? The ship. He goes on and he talks about the ship. Okay. Let's pick it up at verse 4. Behold also the ships, which they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. A rudder is a small thing compared to a cruise liner wouldn't you say but the pilot of the ship all he has to do is turn it a certain way and that whole monstrosity of a ship will go in the direction that he wants it to go in by it he can avoid icebergs rocks shipwreck peril death right sure based on which way he turns it so what's he talking about the tongue is like the rudder on a ship. And once again, it may be massive. And you know, these ocean liners today, they're like cities on water. Right? Bowling alleys, swimming pools, fitness centers, movie theaters. I hear you don't even know you're on the water. Think about that. So if a rudder can really change the direction of a massive ocean liner, even so, the tongue can do its part to see to it that our lives are pointed in the right direction. Now, you ever hear the expression or the slogan, loose lips sink ships? It was coined in World War, during World War II. And basically what it was referring to or inferring is this. The unguarded tongue can release information that the enemy can use to sink our battleship. Has you ever played that game, Battleship, with somebody? 
And there's always a cheater behind showing him where all the moves are. And then all of a sudden they holler out, you sunk my battleship. <laughs> but your buddy was behind there giving you all the key information. Right? Okay. But did you know that loose lips and unguarded tongue can sink more than battleships? I'm telling you, an unguarded tongue can sink friendships, relationships, memberships, partnerships. See, so often what we do is we speak words that are destructive and fail to realize how detrimental they are to partnerships, relationships. You could be close friends with somebody, but say something about them one time that you shouldn't be saying, and it just cuts to the quick. It destroys a relationship. Marriages can be strengthened by speaking right words, or they can be weakened by speaking wrong words. So when we're talking about words, we're not just talking about name it, claim it, like so many people think. We're not talking about blab it and grab it. And if that's all they hear when you teach this message on confessing our faith, then they're shallow in their understanding of this biblical truth. As a matter of fact, when I ever, whenever I see these comments, these People make comments about you word of faith preachers. Romans chapter 10 and verse 8 says, Paul speaking says, The word is nigh thee in your mouth and in your heart, the word of faith that we preach. That is good company. Can you say amen? That's good company. Paul preached the word of faith. But what is the word of faith? Jesus died. He was buried. He rose again. He's alive right now. Believe it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. And thou shalt be saved. Healed, delivered, set free, and made whole and preserved. Is what that word salvation means. So there it is. There's the, there's the principle. Believe it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. Okay. Now. Notice the next one. The fire. You ready for this one? The fire. In James chapter 3, beginning at verse 5, it says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Even so is the tongue among our members that boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed to mankind. But the tongue can no man tame, it goes on to say. So, now he talks about it being a fire. And what he's saying is this. The devil will use words to set in motion a cycle of natural events that can lead to death in a person's life. Do you remember way back when he visited Eve by, let's say, leasing the body of a serpent. And he spoke to her and says, Hath God said? Hath God said that if you eat of this tree, you will die? Oh, Eve. He must have been maybe a little groggy. Because you see, he didn't really mean that. No, what he really meant was this. If you eat from it, you'll be like him. 
He's holding back on you. And so what happened? The thoughts planted into the mind. She began to observe it. To view it. All of a sudden she begins to embrace it. And then she begins to say it. Hey, it looks pretty good to eat. And a cycle of events is set in motion. And all of a sudden she acts out her faith or belief. Listen. In the words of the devil above the words of God. What she should have said was this. When he said, hath God said? See, she made it a question. He, the devil made it a question. She should have said, God hath said. God hath said. And what God hath said is absolutely true. Get thee behind me. But you see, she didn't do that. No, she didn't quench the fiery dart of the devil. She gave place to it, entertained it, and spoke it out, and acted on it. And you know, you talk about the cycle of death. That's why we die. But now let's go to some other person. The same devil came to Jesus when he was up there on the Mount of Temptation. And he approached Jesus on three fronts. Spiritual, emotional, and physical. Starting with the physical. It's 40 days, 40 nights, and you haven't eaten. Man, if you be the Son of God, notice he's challenging his identity. Jesus just heard the words, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Okay. Well, if you be the Son of God, then turn those stones into bread. And what does Jesus do? It is written. He declares and decrees his faith. He takes what you and I have available to us. What is written. And says, it is written. Man doesn't live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's exactly what Eve should have done in the beginning. It is written. God hath said. Secondly, in the emotional realm. See, you, th you think the devil doesn't know scripture? He said, but it's also written that if you throw yourself down, the angels will have charge over you to keep you, protect you from harm and damage and injury. But Jesus is wiser than the serpent, wiser than the devil. What does he say? It is written again. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. I'm not going to jump in presumption and foolishness. He took the word of God and spoke. We're talking confession of faith here. He declared his faith in the word of God above the word of a devil and any circumstance. As a matter of fact, the third step or, or challenge was in the spiritual realm. He took him up to the pinnacle of the temple and said, if you see all this, it's all been given to me. I'll give it to you if you'll just bow down and worship me. And Jesus says, it's written again. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and Him alone shalt thou serve. Guess what happened after the third challenge? The devil left him for another season, looking for a more opportune time to come back and challenge his faith again. What do we learn from that? We're going to be challenged. We're going to be challenged to start feeding on the word of the enemy, the word of the circumstance, and actually you could say the devil, the word in the flesh, 
will cast words our way to try to get us to embrace them and respond to them and speak them out of our mouths to set the course of our lives for wrong things. But God gave us His Word. He gave us His thoughts. And you know what? We should be like Mary was. Be it unto me according to thy word. No word from God is void of power, the angel said. It's not empty. He himself said, my word when it goes forth out of my mouth, it's not going to come back to me void. It will prosper in the thing where unto I sent it. Amen. So God gave us his word to put in our hearts and our mouths so we can speak them out in faith and set the course of our lives for good things. When I went off to school at Ramah, I must have said to myself thousands of times, my God supplies all my need according unto his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Over and over and over and over again. When I got to where I had two bucks left to my name and I needed gas in my car, food on the table, I'll tell you what, those words just rose up on the inside of me. My God supplies all my need according unto His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. See, what you're sowing today, you reap down the road. It's not instant all the time. It's sowing and reaping. And so praise God. Start sowing the seed of God's Word into your heart and mouth. Meditate it. Memorize it. Learn it. Why? Because it is your ability to overcome the enemy. And also set the course of your life for life and good things and not evil things. Amen. Alright, secondly, it's important to realize that when we guard our tongue, we guard our lives. Look at the book of Proverbs, chapter 13 and verse 3. He that keeps his mouth keeps his life. Ask any husband that. <clears throat> Ask any husband if that's true or not. It'll sink in in a moment. <clears throat> but he that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. Ask any husband that. I remember when Krista and I were <clears throat> in premarital counseling. I said to the um, one who was counseling us. I said, you know, you realize it's important that. When, I was kidding, but. The Bible says wives are to be in subjection to their husband and submission as unto the Lord this thing I know I got hit with a purse <laughs> boom I am submissive <laughs> you're right honey <laughs> thank you for making that clear <laughs> and I've been submissive ever since <laughs> you see our words can be productive or destructive they can hurt or help they can give hope or they can discourage our words can tear down or build up they can remove mountains or build mountains out of mohills our words can strengthen our marital relationships or weaken our marital relationships our words can set the course of our lives for success or for defeat we have to believe in our words you see if we don't believe in our words then you know what you're just going to be aimlessly floundering out there just trying this and trying that. We got to get settled in our heart. This word is alive. But for it to be productive, it's got to be in the heart and mouth of a person. And I cannot stress that enough. In the heart and mouth of a person. The uh, Israelites were denied entrance into the promised land. 
And you know what God said to them? As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. And what did they say? We're going to die in the wilderness. Our children are going to die in the wilderness. You brought us out here to die. You brought us out here to die of starvation, to die of thirst, and etc., etc. And so finally he said to them, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Can you imagine that statement? You think God doesn't hear what we say? He does. He says, well, you're going to have what you say then. And they all died. And for those of you that are new, and you have never heard this, the ten leaders I talked about that caused their hearts to melt, the ones, the ten tribes of Israel, the ten ones that stood before them and said, we can't enter the promised land because the giants are too big, the walls are too strong, and the city's fortified. There's no way we can enter in. They died instantly by the plague before the Lord. And they died. Worms ate out their tongues and jaws and their navel. You think God wasn't making a statement when that judgment fell upon them? It was judgment. In other words, your heart and your mouth has caused your death. Wow. Wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Can you see that? You guard your mouth, you guard your life. We need to speak right things. Say what the word of God says to give God an opportunity to manifest himself in our lives. So if you want to have a healthy, constructive marital relationship, just listen to some of these words. Oh, honey, you look so beautiful today. Oh, that dress would be nothing without you in it. When the, when the sun, on that beautiful sunrise, I notice a tear in the eye of the sun because you look so radiant this morning. Gentlemen, this will cost you at the door. At least a nickel each. You want a few more? <laughs> oh, glory. Okay. And three, and finally, our words reveal our true character. Did you know that? Our words reveal our true character. Look in uh, James chapter 1. Now remember, James is the half-brother of our Lord. He's teaching principles. I'm believing that Jesus taught him. Okay? Maybe he didn't hear him before the resurrection. But he heard him after the resurrection. And so these statements that you hear from James, the half-brother of our Lord, came from Jesus himself. Either his observation or whatever. But look, look at this verse. If any man among you seem to be religious, anybody here religious? And bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. You know, a, a horse is not going to bridle itself. Someone's got to tame it. Well, it's up to us to bridle our tongue. But notice the word religious. I wrote down the definition for you. In the Greek, it's translated, it's fear and worship. So you could say, you could say it this way. If any man seems to, says that he fears and worships God. See, if you just say religious, that sounds, I'm not religious. But wait a minute. In the Greek, it means if anyone says that he fears and worships God, but doesn't control his tongue, see, his religion is in vain. His fear and worship of God is in vain. So in other words, if we say we really fear God and we worship God, then we're going to do something about controlling the words of our mouth. We're the only creature on the planet that can speak words. Dogs bark, cats meow, you know, cows moo. It's 
chickens, you know. But we speak words. And if we don't bridle the tongue, our worship and reverence of God and fear of God is in vain. So in other words, speaking words of faith is important to all of us. But if we want our words of faith to remove the mountains, the circumstances, the situations that we encounter in life, we have to believe in our words. And if we really believe in our words, then we have to believe that if you say something like this to your wife, I just can't stand the way you do that. I better stop right there. <laughs> that will destroy a relationship. That will tear down a relationship. It will destroy a marriage. It will destroy friendships. I can't trust you. Etc. Etc. Now, God created us, all of us, two eyes, two ears, two nostrils, one tongue. You know why? Because with the eyes, ears, and the nostrils, you observe the world and surroundings around you. That's observation. But when it comes to the tongue, you speak about those things you observe. Is he trying to tell us to double up on the observation and only speak a lot less? In other words, before you speak, think, observe, get the full picture before you spew something out of your mouth. As a matter of fact, he said this on the heels of this. In the first chapter of James, he's talking about, you people are saying that these problems you have are coming from God. Don't you understand and know that God tempts no man with evil? He can't be tempted with evil, and neither does he tempt any man. So don't say that when you're tempted, tested, and tried, you're tempted and tested and tried of God. God doesn't do that. Don't err, my beloved brethren. Don't you know that? The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You've erred in thinking that way. No, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That's where everything good comes from. If it's not good, it's not from God. Can you see that? He says, so don't err. Then he goes on to say this. He says, you all need delivered from the corrupt way that you think. Your corrupt reasoning faculties are making you reason these things out and you think they're coming from God and so you're saying it. But God's not your problem and God is not doing it. He said, but be doers of the word and not hearers only in verse 22, deceiving your own selves. In other words, get a hold of what the truth really teaches from the word of God. Put that in your heart, put that in your mouth and realize it's not coming from God. It's coming from the enemy. Don't be misled, he said. Don't be deceived. It's coming from the enemy. You know, I'm going to be, maybe next month, we're going to be talking about some things, sharing like why, good, why bad things happen to good people. Why bad things happen to good people. People want to know that. Well, there's a devil out there, I tell you right now. We live in a fallen society, don't we? Hey man, and we'll talk about that. We'll answer those questions. But it's important for us to know that James is referring to the fact that you and I got to start thinking right and speaking right. And then he says, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. So listen, observe, look around, see it from every angle. And then when you see it, always compare it to this. Line it up with the word of God. And then let that formulate your belief system. This is what I believe. 
And to be honest with you, bad things happen to good people because we live in a fallen world. Because in the beginning, Adam and Eve made a decision to rebel against God. And before that, Lucifer made a decision to rebel against God. To step beyond the boundaries God established for his existence, and then he produced what we know the kingdom of darkness to be. And then he, in the Garden of Eden, which was a perfect society, what does he do? He shows up and what does he do? He influences Eve to step beyond the boundaries God established for their existence. What happens? They open up the door to sin and death, sickness and disease, and every evil that we know of. And then it goes from there. The Israelites, promised land, full of milk and honey, anything you want, what do they do? They rebel against God. Okay, so let's think correctly. Let's speak correctly. So that we can trust and believe in our words, so that when you speak to a mountain, it will go. Okay, so the law of sowing, look at Proverbs 17, 27. The law of sowing and reaping basically says we're going to reap what we sow. Oh, if you sow, see, why is it we can understand this? If we sow peppers, what do you get? If you sow tomatoes, what do you get? Beans? Corn? Okay. Pretty basic. He that hath knowledge spareth his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. You sow words just like pepper seeds, tomato seeds, beans, corn. We sow words. And the words that we sow, we can control. And if we sow words of life, what do we get? If we sow words of death, what do we get? You see why the enemy wants to come along and influence your words to say things that are bad? Look, he wants you to get angry and sin. You can get angry, but sin not, the Bible says. Have you ever done this? Have you got so angry you did something you regretted doing? Or have you ever got so angry you said something you regretted saying? But you realize it was too late to pull those words back because those words cut and hurt maybe a close friend of yours. You see, it destroyed a relationship, hurt a relationship. We've all been there. What is this? A ploy of the enemy to put his words in our mouth so we can speak them out and follow the path of destruction. That's not what God wants for us. He wants us to read our minds to His Word and start speaking them out in faith. And then look at Proverbs 18 and 20 and 21. Every single one of us has a choice to make. Every single one of us has got to make a decision as to whether or not we're going to speak what the devil, the world, and the flesh wants us to speak. Or are we going to speak what God wants us to speak from His Word? See, the choice is ours. Young person, if you have a career that you're looking to get into, uh, you might be sitting right now facing college and you're thinking in your mind, um, I don't know what I want to be. I have no clue. Just remember this. Death and life are the power. A man's belly shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. And with the increase of his lips, so shall he be filled. Death and life are where? In the power of the what? Our tongue or our words. And they that love it shall eat what? You're going to eat the fruit that you plant with words. You plant the words of death. What are you going to eat? The fruit of death. And you say, what do you mean by that? Well, let me just show you. Young person. Let's just say you're a junior or a senior in high school and you're about to go off into college. You're thinking about a college career, what you're going to take and all that. Write it down. Proverbs 16.3, Amplify Bible. Commit that way also to the Lord. Okay? He'll cause your thoughts to become agreeable to His will. And your plans will be established and succeed. You know what I say to you? From today. Get that verse. Write it on a piece of paper. Commit it to memory. Put it in your heart and mouth. And when, whenever the thought comes to you, you know what you're going to be, what you're going to do. 
Don't say that. Say, thank God. My thoughts are becoming agreeable to His will. So that my plans are established and succeed. And say it every day. I believe my thoughts are becoming agreeable to His will. That my plans are established and succeed. You're sowing the seed of, of life today. So that when it comes time, it'll just rise up within you. You're going to start plucking the fruit off the vine, off the tree. I know exactly what God wants me to do. I know exactly where He wants me to go. Why? Because you sowed those words in your life. My God is causing my thoughts to become agreeable to His will so that my plans are established and succeed. And you see, the thing is, there's no success apart from doing His will. You might succeed according to the, let's say, the mentality of the world. But that's not success in the eyes of God. Success in the eyes of God is doing His will for your life. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.